I want to talk to you today about ongoing issues with kids, issues that we feel like we've 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 overcome with them. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like the rug is pulled up from under us yet again. We're still back to where we were, thought we made progress, and then we were it's like slap being slapped in the face again, saying, I thought we were getting beyond this, but apparently it's still an issue. I'm still going through that right now with, with one of mine, and um, I don't have the absolute final solution and cure, if you will, about this situation. But what I do know is I am going to continue to hold fast to my hope in Jesus. I'm going to hold fast to the promises God has made to me about my kids, about my anxiety and worry and fear. And I am going to lay them at the cross. I am going to offer my daughter's life to to him like Isaac did with his son and say, God, she is yours. I'm not taking her back from you. I offered her to you years ago. I'm not trying to control this situation. And I'm not going to overstress about it. In fact, I'm going to try not to stress about it at all. My heart is broken yet again because every time this incident occurs, my heart breaks. I'm, But I'm not going to allow it to steal my joy and my hope. So I want to talk to you about that today. So if you're going through something like that, which chances are you are going through something like that, if you're a parent, then you know. So I want to talk to you about how I manage to still put my hope in God, in Jesus, while going through this very painful, very heartbreaking, very annoying, frankly, and frustrating situation that has been going on for at least 12 years. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining another episode of Imperfect Parenting with a Perfect God. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That sounds amazing to me. How about you, friends? Doing this parenting thing alone is hard, but the great news is that we are not alone. We have an amazing, perfect God who can guide us, carry us, take our burdens, and give us rest when we are weary. His burden is light, but the joys of parenting are many, and He has made you the parent of your children on purpose. So let's see what God has to share with us today. Thanks for joining me. gang. Sorry I was, uh, wasn't was around last week. Uh, my family and I took a well-needed rest and vacation away from reality and enjoyed some time down in sunny Florida. And it was sunny. It was humid. It was perfect. We had a great time. We had some nice time to just rest, reflect, and enjoy each other's company along with those of other people. And it was awesome. Uh, however, during that time, I made a, a discovery that wasn't so pleasant, and that was that um, one of my children 
uh, is still living in the in the sin that she just can't seem to get herself out of. Now, I don't expect her to be perfect. I don't expect anybody to be perfect. We're humans. That's just not possible. Uh, we can live like Jesus and try to strive to be like Jesus, but we will never be Jesus. So, therefore, my expectation for perfection does not exist. <laughs> However, this is just an issue we have been dealing with, gosh, since since she could, almost since she could talk, and certainly since she could try to manipulate things for herself, which is a, probably about a year and a half to two years old. She, uh, she has, my aunt actually deemed a motto on her, which I don't like. I'll be frank. I do not like this motto because it's not an excuse, but that she would rather ask forgiveness than permission. And throughout her life, unfortunately, that has definitely been a trend. And it's not okay because uh, it's it's interesting. We just we just studied this in the Old Testament, the difference between intentional and unintentional sin and the consequences of both of those. The thing is, when you know you're sinning and you know you can ask forgiveness later, that is not okay. The point of being aware and knowing that something is a sin, which is why God had to write the Ten Commandments, is so that we don't sin in the first place. So living a life where you're like, oh, it's okay, I'll ask for forgiveness later, I'll get away with it, it's fine, my, my record will be cleansed, my soul will be cleansed, I'm good, I'm on, I'm on good record with, with God. That doesn't fly. That, that breaks God's heart. He sets things up so that we are aware and we know what his expectations are, where he sets us up for the best life we can have. And if we're not following those things, we are not going to have the best life set before us by him because we are making choices that are not aligned with him. And when we full well know it, that's even worse. That's like slapping him in the face saying, God, I'm choosing me over you. And these are things I talk to my child about. And I've been talking to her about them since she's known the truth of God. And she has no excuse because I know she knows the truth of God. I know she knows what she's doing when she's doing it. And I know that she knows because she tries to hide it. And then when she confesses, she tries to make not such a big deal of it. And wonders why I make a big deal of it. I try not to lose my mind, but sometimes it's really hard when it's a repetitive sin issue. Oh, it's so frustrating. Um, I'm trying to hold myself together right now because, again, my heart was bro- broken yet again. I thought we were on a path where we were. she was gaining my trust, and that's the worst part for me, is she was gaining my trust, and then she broke it again, and it just makes me want to cry, frankly, because... It's it's not her best. It's not the best for her. And I can only imagine how God feels when he sees us doing the same thing. When he, he knows that he has set us up with the truth. He has set us up with Jesus, with a sacrifice. When he sent his son to die the most horrific death on the planet for us. And we still say that's not good enough. That is got to be a punch in the gut every single time and whether we see that we're doing it or not it's what we do with what we realize that we are 
when our sin is brought into the light, what are we doing about it? What is the next step? Next step is to confess and ask forgiveness. Yes, but after that, what's the next step? To not do it again, to repent, repent, turn away. Just I just heard um, a beautiful description of the Greek written, written out word for repentance or repent. I'm not sure which it was. The I think it was repent, and it was it was a podcast, so I didn't get to see it. But the way it was described was really cool. It was like um, these teeth devouring this house of sin. So repenting is destroying the source of sin, turning away, and not doing it again. And yes, sometimes we are going to fall susceptible back into that sin pattern, and then we have to get back up out of it, do it again, and try intentionally to repent and turn away from it. And it can be really hard. I get it. And I'm watching her go through this. And I see it's so very hard for her. It's a lot like me watching my mom over the last 60 years try to quit smoking. She just can't do it. She wants desperately not to do it. I know in her heart she doesn't want to do it. And she hates that she does it. I know she doesn't like that I don't like she does it. I know that that breaks her heart, but she just, it's a habit and she can't break it. Um, I don't know whether she's laid it at the feet of Jesus or not, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, We're talking about watching our kids do this and thinking of the perspective of God. And so over my vacation, I brought a couple of my devotionals with me and Bible studies with me. And one of my devotionals was really cool. It brought out one particular scripture and then it got me thinking this is how the holy spirit works in me when i'm doing this and i start thinking oh people need to hear this i think this is fantastic it got me thinking about other scriptures which is why we study the bible we study the bible so that when we are reading a beautiful devotional or one particular scripture god can bring to light in our minds other scriptures that are completely related to it so that we are fully in context with the scriptures. I love it because just reading one scripture alone is is nice, but really we're meant to cross-reference throughout the Bible. And if you can't do that on your own, there's plenty of resources to, resources to do it. But the more you read the truth, the more the Holy Spirit is going to bring these things back up to your mind. So whether or not you've memorized them or not, but it doesn't matter if you've read them before, they're in there. They're locked in. They're in your brain somewhere in there. Locked away perhaps, but Holy Spirit can unlock them and bring them to light. So this is what, all that to say, this is what he has for for me and for you today going through this. Okay, so I'm um, yet again laying this beautiful, amazing, wonderful child of mine whom I love so much um, watching her go through this again and stumbling and it hurts me because I cannot help her. I can guide her. I can remind her of the truth. I can lay her at Jesus's feet, but she's the one that needs to make the change. So in the midst of watching her stumble, here is what I am remembering. And keep in mind when I'm saying this, I am not a sailor. I am not a nautical person. I have been on plenty of boats. I have been fishing. I used to work on a boat, actually, but I was not the captain. <laughs> I am not trained in nautical procedures. But this is what he has for us today. And I'm going to start with this. 
because this has been my daughter's issue mostly. Pretty much her whole life, her issue has been her mouth. Can anybody relate to that? I bet you can. I know I can. My mouth has always been my issue too. So I wonder where she gets it from. <laughs> um, but she just, her mouth has always been her, her trouble. Whether it's lying, yelling back, being sassy, um, being obnoxious, being rude, um, things like that. You name the mouth issue. Nick's hip cavity. She's been pretty good about that. But you name the mouth issue. And she's had it, done it, been there, still going through it. And she's, she's still young, she's, but she's got to learn. And she's just cho- choosing to learn the hard way. But in, G- in James, James 3, 4, it says, Take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, of course, this was written back when they did a lot of sailing. They didn't have motors. They're driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And this is all about taming the tongue. That little itty-bitty rudder that's at the bottom back of the ship, the keel, I believe. Again, not a not a sailor, but I believe that's what it's called. Maybe I'm wrong. That's what turns the ship where it goes. It doesn't give it its power. That's what the wind and the sail is for. But it steers it where it wants to go. It could steer it into rocks. It could steer it into a harbor. It could steer it out into the open sea. It could steer it wherever the pilot wants it to go. So our tongues go where we tell it to go, where it tell them to go, plural. We, we are in control of our tongue. Plain and simple, that's what James is saying here. He says it in a lot of other metaphors, but in this case, I like this one. We control our tongues. And this as parents is very important because sometimes we just want to scream at our kids. But it's really important to keep those rudders in check. And remember that we're the grown-ups. <laughs> That's hard for me to remember sometimes because I do just want to like lose my mind. But I have to remind myself I'm the grown-up here. I'm setting the example. How do I handle this without losing my mind so she can learn how to deal with life without losing hers? Um, cause she has an issue with her mouth and I need to show her how I can control my mouth because I've had to learn a lot over the last 20 years or so about how God wants me to use my mouth. And this is one of them, the podcast. So steering my rudder where I want it to go, steering my rudder also in the direction that I would hope my daughter will go someday. Speaking the truth reminding myself and her of the truth, rebuking her when she sins, but lifting her up and encouraging her as well. It's not all about punishment. I have to remember that my rudder is also meant to steer her in the direction that she should go, which is to the truth of God, speaking the truth of the word, encouragement, love, kindness, goodness, self-control. Does that sound familiar? Some fruits of the Spirit? Life and death is in the tongue. That, that's, a, that's a deal right there. Uh, life and death is in the tongue. We, either speaking, we, are, we are either speaking life or speaking death. What are we pouring into them? What are we, how are we using our tongue to speak life and not death? It's important to rebuke and, and disciple them and 
um, guide them and steer them. But we can do that without killing them, without killing their spirit, without killing their hope. That's not the goal. God wouldn't do that. He loves us. He, he is about love. And love, yes, includes discipline, but it does not include beating them down with our rudders, our little tongues. Because that can make a huge, huge impression and leave a lot of damage. We don't want to do that. Our goal is to help them to, to go to Jesus and ask him to help them change. Because he's the one that can. And here's why. Hebrews six nineteen to 20 says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So it's beyond the law. Where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is our anchor. Our hope in Jesus is our anchor. And the goal is to help them see that he is their anchor too. That they come into their faith remembering that their hope is in Jesus and he is the anchor. He is the one that helps them to stay still when they need to stay still. He is the one that can keep them safe when they need to um, avoid the storms or when they're going through them. Sometimes we avoid the storms by being obedient to Jesus because we don't know what's around the corner. And if we make this choice or that choice, one's going to bring a storm, one's going to bring peace. Guess which one's going to bring peace? But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have storms in our lives. Our kids are not not going to avoid storms. And if they deal with them when they're young, that's okay. I see a lot of people right now, they just, they protect their kids from any storm possible. They just keep them from going through troubles. Little ones. I, I don't do that. We don't do that. We want our kids to experience difficulty as kids when it's safe and they're protected and they're under our, the umbrella of our home so that we can guide them through these little storms because when they get out there, into the real world, which generally these days starts as teenagers. It's not even when they leave our home. They're dealing with storms. If they're in public school or any school, I should say, because it happens in private schools too, they're dealing with storms with other kids, with their peers, with administration, with curriculum, with everything. They're dealing with storms. And if they didn't learn how to deal with like little storms when they were younger, this is going to throw them into a tailspin. And that's a whole nother episode. I could go into that forever. And I'm not going to go into that more now. But they're going to experience storms. They need to learn how to deal with the storms by knowing that Jesus is their anchor. He is also the captain. We might have the rudder control. But he's in charge of the crew. He's in charge of everything. He's in charge of the weather. In Luke 8, Jesus calms the storm. He sleeps through the storm, first of all. I mean, that is absolute peace in the storm, right? He is sleeping in the storm. And, but everyone else is freaking out. They wake him up and he just says, be still. And even the waves and the winds listen. He is the captain of the sea. So why wouldn't we trust him in our boat. Why wouldn't we give him complete control in our boat? Why wouldn't we submit 
to him. Are you going to make him first mate? Or are you going to let him be the captain? Sorry, I sound like wicked preachy right now. I just realized I get super passionate about this. I'm talking to myself too. This is really for all of us. Are we letting Jesus be the captain, the anchor, the hope? Or are we trying to be the captain? I know we can steer, but that doesn't make us the captain. The captain tells us where to go. The captain gives us advice based on wisdom, based on experience, based on foresight. All these things God has. We don't have these. We have some experience, but we don't, we don't have foresight. We don't know what's coming around the corner. He does. He made us. He made our kids. He knows what's ahead for them. And if we can help them to learn to steer their rudders and make Jesus the captain and the anchor of their lives instead of first mate or worse, make him swab the deck (laughs) or work in the galley or put him in the brink. A lot of people have put him in the brink. I know I'm talking wicked nautical right now. (laughs) It's just the way it's going. A lot of people have just put him in the brink and forgotten about him, that he... They might believe that he exists, but they don't realize the power that he holds. And he'll let them put him in the brink in their lives because we get to choose where we want him in our lives. It doesn't change who he is. He's still the captain of the sea. He's still the anchor of our souls if we let him. It doesn't change who he is. Where we put him in our lives, where our kids choose to put him in their lives, doesn't change who he is. Jesus never changes. God never changes. He is still powerful, mighty, loving, desiring us, desiring our kids. He wants relationship. It doesn't change who he Where we put him in our lives doesn't change who he is. But I tell you what, if, if I was hiring... And if I owned a big conglomerate business and I was hiring and I got his resume, I would just hand the business over to him. (laughs) I'm not going to hire him to be my IT guy. I'm not going to hire him to be my vice president. No, dude, you're going to own the company because I want to work for you. I want, I want to work for you, God. I see your resume. It's glorious. And it it takes up more pages than there exist in this world because his acts and his deeds and his power and his accounts of how he has worked in humans' lives and the history of of humanity is beyond description. I, I know the Bible doesn't even hold half the deeds that we could know about, but there's only so much paper in the world and we only have so much time to read. So are we helping, are we using our rudders to help our kids learn that he is the captain of the sea? And are we as parents, we as parents putting our hope in him when we're going through these storms with our kids that just keep seem to coming and going? It's like I was in this, this peaceful, calm, beautiful sea, just enjoying the sunrise, the sunset, the clouds, the beauty, the dolphins, the manatees all around me. And then boom, tsunami. 
Again, not the first time. It's washing over my boat. Am I handing my boat over to God? I'm choosing to right now. I'm declaring it. My boat is in God's hands. My child is in God's hands. And I trust him with her heart. I trust him with her soul. I believe that he is working in her. I believe that he is convicting her. I believe that she eventually will make a choice. I believe she's going to make the right one. I hope that she will because I trust Jesus with her. I know he loves her more than I do. And I am hanging on to that truth because I have seen his power and his work and I've seen his love and he loves her. And he will continue to work in her heart and mine for the rest of our lives. And that's good. And that is where my hope comes in the storm. And I hope yours, it does for you too. I hope this brought you some hope. I hope this brought you some joy and some peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the reminder that you are steadfast in the storm. You don't change. The weather may change. The circumstances may change. We might change. But you never change. And I pray that everyone listening would lay their hope in you and that they would lay their children at your feet and trust you with them because you are good and you love them more than we could ever imagine. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. August is Mental Health Awareness Month. We have such a huge rise in mental health issues right now, especially among children, and it completely breaks my heart. That's why I created Comfort Creatures. They are cute little fuzzballs with beautiful, sparkling eyes. They're slightly weighted, and they're just a fun little critter to keep with them to help them to feel safe, to um, to be able to feel and play with. They're like a fidget toy or security. Uh, it's a beautiful, they're just so cute. They can keep them in their pockets. They can bring them with them wherever they go. They can tell them their worries. When I was younger, I had these little worry dolls and I would tell them my worries. And I feel like it was a great way to learn how to pray. And these comfort creatures are just that. They're a great tool to teach kids how to pray, but it gives them something tactile and physical, something to look at. But they can imagine that God is listening to them while they're talking to their little critter, their little comfort creature. They come in a variety of colors. They are all the softest fur, faux fur, that you can imagine. And they're just so sweet. They come packaged with an adoption certificate so they can name them and they can become part of the family. There's also an additional calm breathing kit that can be added to this package for just a couple of dollars. And it gives them a couple of techniques so that when they start getting anxious and overwhelmed, if they tend to get shortness of breath because of anxiety, this is a great tool to add on to give them a couple of ways to treat the anxiety and help to learn to calm themselves down. But this, this epidemic has really broken my heart and I just felt like this was my little way to help. So check them out at our Etsy store, Izzy Drew Lane, 
is the name of the store. You can go to etsy.com slash forward slash shop forward slash Izzy Drew Lane. That's I-Z-Z-Y-D-R-E-W Lane. I'll put the link in the show notes for your reference, but check them out. And while you're there, check out the slime kits that my girls are making. They're scented and they're fun and they're another tactile activity that the kids can make and keep with them in their nice sturdy storage case and play with for months. So enjoy it, check it out, and I hope you find comfort in my creatures. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Imperfect Parenting with a Perfect God. I am so glad that you joined us today. This is so much fun to be able to encourage you and remind you that God loves you and wants to partner with you in your parenting journey. Remember, he made you the parent of your kids on purpose. If you like this episode, please, please take time to rate and review it so that other people can find this podcast as well. I'd really appreciate it. And I think so would other people who get to be blessed by this. And share it with friends and family that you think it would bless too. Let's spread the word and let people know that God loves them and wants to be with them each and every day in their parenting journey. Thanks for stopping by and I hope you join us next week.